Welcome to another exciting episode of The Voluntary Tackle, the only NRL podcast willing to sell the services of Joey Lelua as a babysitter. Only a few head highs on two of your old girls so far, which is actually pretty I, I hear he has a habit of dropping the kids as well. Yeah, he does that a fair bit. Yeah. Um, and he goes missing. Don't ever throw them to him. <laughs> Mate, you're interrupting the intro. Don't do that. <laughs> I'm your host, Eamon Brown, and today on the show we're discussing all of the late-breaking news in the wonderful world of rugby league. But first, you've already heard his voice, I'm joined in the Media Watch Mario Studios by the only man who takes care of his body so much, he once bleached his own anus white with a hint of antioxidant lemon yellow. It's Xander Risotto. Welcome Mate, to the show. It's, it's not anal bleaching. I, I actually happen to engage in uh, the anal vitamin D dosing, which is where people... Mm. Uh, put their ass up to the sun to get a blast of vitamin D, D to their ass. I mean, could you remind me never to go to the beach with you? Uh, because I think that's highly inappropriate. I get plenty of attention, mate. I can tell yeah. you well, that. I now. hope you sunbake not between the flags where the kids are because I think that's an offence. I think it's a felony. I haven't been arrested yet. And I'm going to keep doing it until I am. So I assume you're sort of in that yoga pose. I don't yeah. know what they call it, but where your ass is facing the and air. And I, I just, I'm, I'm also just out there to disprove the the claim that you know they're going to stick stuff where the sun don't shine because mm. you know the sun shines on my ears. Excellent. So you're yeah. just out there trying to be a physical example to reject common idioms. That's right. Excellent. That's well, right. you've got to dedicate your life to it's something, important. don't you? It's important. Yeah. And for me, it's rugby league, um, which is what we'll probably talk about in just a moment. But I will say this. If you do the lo- the whole bleaching of the lemon zest thing, does that mean you, you sort of have a slightly sort of citrus burst poo? It does burn a little bit, but um, <laughs> you know, I kind of like that. Fair enough. Look, we, we're going to stop it right there. Uh, and before we pretend to make a copybook tackle to the ribcage and get sent off by an overzealous refereeing establishment, just a reminder, you can follow the show on social media via the handle at Voluntary Tackle. But we warned, we're mainly on Twitter. You can also follow Xander Risotto on the handle at Xander underscore TVT. Now, uh, before we start, we should sort of, uh, I guess, preface everything here tonight, Xander, by letting our listeners know this is a sort of quasi-drunken session here today. Uh, Xander and I have had quite a few already. We've tried to jam as many spirits down our neck in the last hour as possible. We've just come back from the triumphant Roosters game. We're recording this on a Saturday night. Uh, It's, you know, it's close to midnight. A lot of fun tonight, mate. How did you see that game against the Sharks? I was impressed with how our young guns did. We we had a lot of players benched. Obviously, you know, we had we had Manu at fullback, who's who's mm. very handy in that position. In fact, uh, I, I made the comment during the game that um, I actually think that um, if there's one thing uh, that he seems to be particularly good at, he, I think he's actually better at Tedesco at covering players who have broken the line. Mm. Like he's he 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 reads that well. Could I just say this when you when you actually voice that in the bay that we were sitting in a hush. Yeah fell across the bay because no one agreed with you. They, they made, went, how dare you abuse Tedesco and his legacy? He's out for one game, he's a freak, and you're already saying they may the not, replacement's better They than may him. not have a... Uh, I, I think Teddy is basically the best player in the game, but if there is one thing I've noticed is that, you know, he, does, he, he can occasionally get stranded 
when there's a, been a, a very um, significant break made and he's got a player with a head of steam up that has him one on one. He's been yeah. known to get caught out. Where it's it's a very hard position, mm. but I was very impressed with how Manu covered that when that happened to him today. You're going to hold that Sevo tackle against him forever, aren't you? Sevo, no one was going to stop Sevo. I I, that's not what I'm referring to. It's it's, a, it's other instances. Can I just say this? This is quite the honour mm. because um, listeners will probably already know this as well. Is that you know you, you're you're a very healthy man, Xander, and you don't often. Drink so to be in your company as a good mate and have a few drinks with you is, is actually quite the honour. Yes, mate. Uh, you know, every once in a while I do partake in the devil's nectar, um, and because um, the devil's nectar normally refers to an old man's sort of sweat juices. No semen. Um, but okay. It is a rare occurrence for me to, to, to have a few um, few drinks this late. And what you said you're already about? feeling it, right? You said because yeah. your, your tolerance is probably not as high as it used to be. Well, you're, you're quite a, healthy. This is interesting, right? So that, I mean, it's it's actually not too bad. So I, I used to think this that. Um, you, you know what do they they call it getting piss fit, mm. right? Yeah, I've been training for years. So there is an element of that, but I'm actually, not sure what event I'm training for, <laughs> unless it's maybe a liver transplant or something. But studies actually show that um, no, it's the opposite. The fitter you are, you, you feel the effects quicker. But in terms of your ability to recover from it and and, and handle uh, it in your body, you're actually better off. It's just that as somebody who drinks often, you go you're going to be able to mask the effects a little bit better. But you're yeah. you're not actually doing any better. No, I've, yeah. in fact, I think people who do drink lots aren't usually doing any better than anyone else across a lot of categories. That's true. Uh, That's employment, true. wealth, relationships, certainly your digestion tract, I can tell you that much, especially if you've had a, a whole slab of Cooper's Pale Ale. Oof. Look, I wanted to actually start with some NRL here. We were talking about it off mic. There's no script, so we just jumped straight into this. I, I was quite outraged today um, to learn the NRL had issued... Curtis Scott with an official breach notice. Now, unless you're living under a rock, you'd, you'd be aware of what the, the offence that had taken place. It was back in January. Uh, Curtis Scott got very drunk and fell asleep somewhere near the SCG. As it turns out, he was woken up with several taser shots to the genitals and people rubbing his earlobes. Allegedly. You know. Well, it's sort of all there on the old police cam. Oh, that's right. It was too. Um, the genitals part was a little bit blurry. but Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank goodness. They pixelated that out for good taste, yeah. Xander. Um, but for some reason, the police pursued him through the courts and it's been months and months and months and only just recently has he been vindicated. The NRL have taken... That chapter, that 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 timing of vindication, to formally issue Curtis Scott with a breach notice saying he brought the game into disrepute. For me, Xander, I think he's paid his price. Uh, he's had his reputation dragged through the mud. He's been assaulted. He was badly burned by multiple taser shots to the body. Should the NRL have done this? Because it feels like it's a bit overzealous. Uh, it's, I I mean, I generally will take the the side of the NRL with cases like this, but. Given the facts that have come to light, it's it's a little bit like taking the side of the husband in a domestic abuse case after he's put her into hospital. I mean, it's 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 a little bit like saying that you know, well, I mean, he's provoked the police by falling asleep, uh, and you know, he really upset them mm. falling asleep under that tree because maybe you know he enjoyed a drink after a game. L let's be clear here: he didn't do anything to anybody. There was nobody around. Mm. He just had a nap. Yeah, he fell asleep. I mean, as someone, especially in my early 20s, who whenever got drunk, this was my, my party trick. So, yeah, because I was to just, fall just to clarify, we're not in our early 20s now. No, this is long gone. Just I'm now liver fit. Partially, you know. partially why? 
<laughs> you know, I used to fall asleep in public a lot, right? And my, my, my trademark was being woken up by usually a very friendly, affable Kiwi bouncer who said, the fuck Piss off, bro. Why are you sleeping there, bro? You've got to fucking move and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, that's, I, I don't mean that to be racist. That, impre- that was just me doing an impression of an accent. Um, but look, so I can feel for Curtis Scott because that could have been me at his age. Um, and the idea of that, I don't know if you've seen the dash cam, or yeah, the, no, no. The, the, the police the cam, cam footage, the body cam yeah. footage, but like they grab his earlobe and he's kind of asleep waving away what he thinks are flies or mosquitoes. Mm. Well, he's not there. And, and why they thought it was such an issue that they needed to get him. I mean, geez, leave the bloke, leave the bloke alone. And it, it reminded me of a comment that, you know, you, you often hear, uh, for those out there who've, who've heard Bill Maher's uh, material, he often refers to in, in the US overzealous police officers as, as as young guys who've joined the police force as revenge for high school, they want to mm. they want to they they got bullied or something, and it's payback time. They've got the guns, they've got the tasers, and they have a impunity. And this felt like that. It felt like a bunch of overzealous cops who were a little bit hopped up on their own self importance, basically kicking a bloke whilst he was down and asleep, bothering nobody by himself in the you know in a in a park where there is nobody around, mm. and they have effectively assaulted him unprovoked. And it was just gross. And the fact that, you know, the NRL has then subsequently issued him with a, a breach notice, it just feels ridiculous. In the, context, in, in the context of what has come to light, There, are, there's plenty of bad press about rugby league players, you know, for all sorts of issues. Mm. This is not one of those instances. This is, this is a player who basically just wanted to sit down and, and, and not bother people. So why, why do you reckon the NRL are making the point here? What's the purpose of them issuing the formal statement when the most of the public already know the story. He's actually a victim. Mm. That's actually fairly undisputed. He's a victim of sorts because of police violence, of unnecessary police violence. And yet they've still felt the need to sanction him. It just seemed over the top. And I put it to you this way. If, you know, he had been, say if it was Greg Inglis, I don't think they issue that breach notice because it has a particular political topspin then, doesn't it? Maybe. I mean, when he got caught for drink driving, did they issue a breach notice? Are you talking about Greg English? Yeah. Um, I don't know if you remember, Todd Greenberg wrote him a personal reference um, <laughs> yeah, for that one. So I that, was going to say, immediately that came to mind. I was yeah, wondering if that, that actually, attracted its know. own criticism for that reason. Yeah. Maybe they're going for consistency. I, I don't understand. I mean, honestly, I cannot understand the logic. But as you say, he didn't... With the facts that have come to light and the, the narrative that is now... I mean, because the, the initial narrative is, oh, another drunk rugby league player getting into trouble with the cops, mm. you know, and there's been enough issues with that in social media yeah. and all kinds of things. Since this has come to light, the narrative has changed to, Jesus, do we have a problem with the police here? Do we have a bunch of cops who, who are too quick to go to uh, some, any form of physical uh, restraint or violence against people just because they can? Do you, can I ask you this? And you may not be intimately familiar with police policy. But I don't know if you noticed, they seem to grab at Curtis Scott's earlobes aggressively. It was odd, wasn't is that, it? Is that part of standard procedure? I, I've known a few people who've gone into uh, the coppers. And, you know, like, most of them are obviously... Um, Why the earlobes? I, I, I mean, I don't know. But I mean, what if it was Reed Marnie? I think, I think the issue is with, with, with the police is, is like anything. And, and I've worked in frontline services in previous lives, and I, I can kind of understand it is you do develop very quickly an, up, an us versus them mentality. Mm. Um, you know, and, and it's hard not to. Um, but there are people usually who are 
the adults in the room, usually in those environments, who will think about, who, who will see the angles, if you understand what I mean. They'll, yeah, yeah, they'll, yeah. they'll look at a situation where something is, something could go pear-shaped and they will see the angles and see how things could go badly and, and click everyone into gear and make them yeah. step back from it. But no one was there on that there, night There was nobody that. there who, um, you know, they, they, they didn't even seem to be cognizant of the fact that they're wearing um, body cams. <laughs> Because they put it through the courts. You rightly pointed they, this out. This is the thing. Why do they pursue it yeah. when they could clearly... The, the camera footage was really clear mm. that he posed no physical threat, that they had used excessive force, mm. but for some reason the police decided still to pursue Curtis Scott through the court. So ultimately he got vindicated. Mm. I thought that was really unusual because this looked fairly open and shut to me if you look at the footage. This is this is what I mean. Uh, I think this is a leadership issue. And, and as I said, from, from a frontline services standpoint, usually you do have that person who is clear-headed and is and has probably got runs on the board and can see where things will go bad. Mm. Uh, I get the sense that maybe in this case that person, they didn't have that person there and you probably just had a few people who were a little bit too reactive. They, they saw him asleep, they were going to get him up, they didn't react correctly and they, they went over the top really quickly. Mm. Just so we're not trapped in our own bubble, yeah, we, we are an NRL podcast, it's, it's always top of mind for me to make sure that we get outside perspectives. So very quickly, I want to get a bit of a point of view on the Curtis Scott case from uh, AFL legend Gary Ablett Sr. Uh, hey guys, uh, this is uh, Gary Ablett, Gary Ablett Sr. Um, obviously I <clears throat> don't do a lot of uh, videos. Um, it just hasn't been me, I suppose, over the years up until now. But uh, I feel a little bit compelled and uh, motivated to just come out and uh, say some things that really need to be said concerning our current circumstances, not just in Victoria, but in the world, who's really behind it and what they're up to. As a Christian now of some 34, 35 years, I've studied a lot of end time Bible prophecy and it's all happening right now. And I can tell you that we are definitely in the last days leading up to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Uh, we're talking about the Illuminati, Freemasonry, fraternities, society, secret society people who are behind all this. Well, there you go. I didn't know the Illuminati and anti-vaxxers had anything to do with the case. Um, but thank you very much, Gary Ablett Sr., for contributing uh, your thoughts to the matter. Um, I don't know if this is a good segue or not, Xander, but I've got to mention it anyway because I'm half cut, so fuck it. Um, but my dad was a firefighter. And he told me a great story about, uh, well, in his, in, from his point of view, he doesn't think this is the abuse of power, but certainly I do. He was called down to a scrub fire at Bronte Gully one day. And, uh, you know, he goes in there, turns up with the crew, goes into the middle of the bush where the smoke's coming from. And sure enough, there's a homeless man in there just with a little barbecue, little Weber barbecue thing, cooking up some food. And, uh, you know, that seems harmless enough, right? I mean, the homeless have it hard enough. He's just trying to cook up some food. God knows where he got the snags from. Good on him. Um, but my dad, being my dad, quite gung-ho, like you were saying before, he said, look, mate, I can't have you in here um, cooking up in the middle of the scrub. It's a fire hazard. And apparently the guy got a bit abusive because he's homeless. You know, he's, his life's not great. So he got a little bit abusive and he refused to move. Now, my dad is a little bit of an impatient man. Um, and has a bit of a short fuse. So I said to my dad, I go, well, how did you end up moving him on? And he goes, well, we got the uh, the 12 millimetre hose. <laughs> Apparently, he turned the hose on him and blasted this guy and his <laughs> barbecue down the hill 
like blasted him until he moved on. And I remember thinking, that's an abuse of power. So I understand where Curtis Scott's coming from because I think this abuse of power... Jesus, a good, it's a good thing there wasn't social media when your dad was a firefighter. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> he's, he's got the same We'd have story. seen him on the front page of some newspaper. He definitely... Yeah. He, he read from his own book. And the same, you know, the old quintessential firefighter, can you get my cat down from a tree? I remember I was about 10 years old. I asked my dad, so have you ever had to get a cat down from a tree, Dad? And he goes, oh, yeah, pain in the ass. You know, I want to fight fires. We don't... We shouldn't be called out for those. He's telling that to a 10-year-old, by the way, who loves cats. <laughs> and I went, well, what do you do? He goes, blast them down with a hose. The hose for my dad, for, I think, was like their final solution for everything. Final solution. You know, it's always a great phrase. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Big shout out to Fraser Anning, wherever you are. I'm sure you're listening to the show. Uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, I, I can see your dad's point with a cat. I mean, I probably use a, um, a, a high-powered uh, hose to get a cat out of a tree as well. Yeah, because you're not a big cat man, week. are you? You're a, you're a dog lover. <laughs> That's right. Do you know the funny, funny thing about you? You're so tribal, Xander, because for me, I can be a cat and a dog lover. But with you, you've got to pick a team. And you love your dogs. I know that much. I do. I love my dogs. But you fucking hate cats, don't I, you? I, I, see, it's funny. I grew up with both. Right. And it's kind of funny, having grown up with both, you can see the contrast. You know, dogs Dogs have a... Wait, sim- can I just, just to clarify, you weren't raised by them, were you? You were raised by humans. With them. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah, so the, you weren't... The operative like the, word. Great. You weren't, the, you weren't the yeah. sort of Tarzan character of the no. eastern suburbs of Sydney. Yeah, and I, I, to be honest, I don't think dogs and cats would be capable of raising a human being. I mean, they're too self-interested. Well, don't don't um, shoot the fairy tale dead. But, um, you know, yeah, having been raised with both, I mean, my mum loved cats, we, but we had a dog and we had a bull terrier. Um, and so it was interesting, you know, having that contrast, but lovable, like big bulls, basically, you know, what do they call staffies in that they referred to as brick tornadoes. Bull terriers are the same sort of breed. <laughs> what an affable um, name that is. But they are lovable brick tornadoes, you know. They will, I hope a rugby league player gets that nickname. They they, the, the brick tornado, that's fucking fantastic. It is, uh, you know, in, like, in fact, um, yeah, there, there are a few players who've, who've kind of had... Uh, had that nickname across both codes. There was a character, oh, he, he's dead actually, Jerry Collins, um, died <laughs> in a car crash in, in France, sadly. Right. Yeah. Uh, but he was. You're, he, you're bringing down the tone of the show. I know. But his nickname was Granite. Okay. Which is awesome. Excellent. Um, yeah. Is that because he went 80Ks into a granite wall driving, or, or is that for another reason? <laughs> Speaking of dark, Jesus. Oh. <laughs> Mate, I'm just trying to anyway, follow your three. Bring you back on track. Um, the point being, dogs and cats, uh, you're having grown up with both of them. Uh, cats are snobs. They add nothing to anything. Um, dogs uh, help the human species survive in its uh, early uh, stages of um, development, and so did horses. Cats are basically a waste of fucking space and should be exterminated. Okay, very good. Thank you very much, Mussolini, for your thoughts. Look, I had another thing, and it's just a thought bubble. Tell me to fuck off, and this is not a viable segment, but I thought it's time for the voluntary tackle to give back. And so I'm thinking on the show right now live... We pick out two Twitter accounts of two people that we know follow the show. And just you and I have a bit of a chat about them. Now, we can pick out one each, if you like. One that occurs to me is I want to have a look at the Twitter account. And I haven't looked at this in advance. Is a guy called Gavin. It's at Ernie Oz, who I know is a big fan of the show and, and uh, is very vocal on Twitter. Let, let's look up at Ernie Oz on Twitter. And uh, at the end of this show, we can give him a bit of a shout out and say, hey, we did the. We wouldn't call it doxing, would you? You'd say we went through in an affectionate way through your Twitter feed, and we gave our thoughts. Uh, I, oh, here we go. I brought it he up. Has, he hasn't tweeted lately. 
Okay, so the first thing we've noticed, uh, no, Gavin, is you it. haven't tweeted as much as you normally Actually, would. Actually, no, he, he tweeted 55 minutes ago. It was just he hadn't done a, a, a solo tweet. He's, okay, he's Gavin, responded. I take all of that back. As Andrew was wrong, you tweet super regularly. In fact, probably scale it back a bit would be my advice. <laughs> um, just for the record, uh, any listeners that are not familiar with Gavin's Twitter profile, he has the uh, logo there of what looks to be a RAM attached to an old-style... Sort of time device. I believe it's Pocket the watch? the um. I believe it's the uh, the coat of arms of Afghanistan. Is it really, or are you just making shit up? I have no idea. Okay, how could, dare it you? Could sir. well be. <laughs> well, whatever it is, Gavin, get in touch with the show, Gavin, because I want to know what the fuck that's about. It's a it's actually a cool photo. It almost looks like a psychedelic astrology sign, and and I'm interested. Yeah. Uh, welcome to Twitter, where nobody changes their mind, says Gavin. Um, no, you're a bit. You're a legend, Gavin. I know Xander and I both interact with you, interacted with you at different times, and um, you always have a fairly interesting take on the game of NRL. I can see he's retweeted something from John Birmingham, uh, who's a fantastic great Australian Guardian. author. Great, great Guardian. What am I even talking about? <laughs> great journalist for the Guardian, indeed. Um, and he's he's written some fantastic stuff. He was yeah. a, actually a fan of my blog when I used to have a blog. So big shout out to John John Birmingham. Birmingham, amusing writer. He, he, you know, he's he's got very pithy. Uh, he's got a very pithy writing style. Jesus Christ, I am really famous. <laughs> oh, do you know what? I like this tweet, uh, Xander, from Gavin. Excellent try from the Gold Coast. Hashtag NRL Titans Cowboys. I'm going to be honest, Gavin. I don't know if that adds much to the game. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're, We've introduced Gavin and now we're just having a crack at, at, at his contributions to the Twitter feed for hashtag NRL Titans v Gold Coast. <laughs> Mate, this is just Great, a, Titans v Cowboys, sorry. It's an, it's an education. Which is from course. August 9, I should add. You know, that must have been... We should look up that try. Maybe it was a good contribution. Maybe that was an incredible try. I don't remember. I don't remember either. I don't remember much right now. I'm, I'm really drunk. But this is... I love this from... On, on August 3, I love this merger. Um, Gavin says, Dogs of water. So he's making a, a bit of an analysis of the Knights-Bulldogs game. That's and he's right. Mer- I he's remember this game. He's merged that straight into coronavirus ripped through an aged care home in the UK. So he's gone with rugby league... And something really morbid, really close together, and I Wait respect that. I've seen, I've seen the tweet talking about where is he merges with coronavirus. I mean, this is a, this is a very pithy tweet he's put forward here because I mean, it basically was uh, Heffron Park water slides. I don't know, but it was that's it was, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's how th- that, going. that was basic. That was basically a, a swimming pool that they were they were playing in. I love that game, by the way. It was water polo, rugby league style. Yeah, that was really enjoyable, and I'm wondering if. Uh, the NRL should actually invest in making at least one game around uh, sort of a hydro game. Yeah. Not a full swimming pool, like an Olympic swimming pool, because that, that'd be absurd. But maybe like the kiddies pool, do you know, it's like two or three inches of water and maybe a fountain in the middle at the halfway line. Or maybe maybe put them into a closed dome, just simulate it, you know, instead of just having the water, remove all the oxygen from the room and see which team can hold their breath longest. Okay, well, that got dark yeah. uh, really quickly. Yeah. I mean, they passed out, you'd, you know, you'd resuscitate Well, everyone would die, Xander, and I don't know how much entertainment value that would actually hold for people. Depends if you had anyone employed from Auschwitz. Well, yeah, I mean, would the one person be successful? God war, who, We've gone straight to Hitler. <laughs> who thought to wear an air set? I mean, they would carve, wouldn't they? Sonny Bill would prepare. <laughs> he's always he's, he's basically rugby league's Batman. He, he'd do the prep. Another here, another tweet on July 14th from Gavin at Ernie Oz. Uh, road trip today, pulled over to check out this cool mailbox. And you can't see this, this is a non-visual medium, obviously, but it's a mailbox in the shape of a giraffe using what looks to be a series of rods and a giant oil drum. 
which I think is fantastic. I don't. I'd love to know where you were, Gavin, when you pulled over for that. Um, it looks, I don't know, like the back of Burke to me. Everything's quite brown. Uh, although bushfire season, that could be anywhere these days. And again, I love this. It's merged into another tweet that says, "On your tits." So you're you're a very special man, Gavin, and we love your support of the show. Um, I'm not sure if the segment's working, Xander, but, but I think it's been fun. brilliant. It's been <laughs> fun. And now, do you have someone that you think we should focus on? That was Gavin. Um, who else is a fan of the show that you'd like to know a little bit more about? We can assess their Twitter line in real time right now. Yeah, I have to have a genuine think about this. Actually, it's probably somebody that that. Um... Now, um, this is Xander's suggestion. He he wants to talk a little bit about uh, Ben Ellis at. Middle, at the middle Oz is the handle. Uh, I'm a non-conservative Christian. There's no excuse for hate, and I support the West Tigers and cricket, says Ben. Um, what have your interactions with Ben been, mate? I know he follows the show. He always has a good opinion. Big shout-out to you, Ben. Thanks for following the show. Yeah, Ben's a good bloke. Um, you know, I pissed him off a little bit by by uh, liberally using the term retard recently. Um, well, that'll happen. You know, it was after we lost to the storm, which I wasn't in a particularly good mood. And it was related to something to do with Donald Trump. Also doesn't put me in a particularly good mood. Um, <laughs> you know, but he, he, you know, he took it like a, I, I, we had a good back and forth. And um, yeah, we're still on good terms, which is which is a sign of a civilized debate, I think. I think so. You yeah. can transgress sometimes. I mean, Lee, you could probably admit yourself you shouldn't have yeah. used that term. But I mean, you know what? I don't know. I, okay, I, fair enough. I, I think you're that, unrepentant. I think that the term retard gets a bad rap. So, I mean, um, obviously, we, we've been watching the recent string of Roosters victories. I mean, including tonight, where we had mm. um, apparently the Roosters had, had eight ruck infringements to one because, you know. Reasons sounds about right. Um, and just so you know, when I say recently watching, I do have them in loop in my house. Um, in fact, I usually shower to all of our victories over the last twelve months. I, I, I have our back-to-back premierships on my big screen TV in my mm. bathroom, just so I can jerk off to it. Excellent. Um, yeah. Do you often um, because you want to go longer? Do you sort of work in the O four grand final? <laughs> that kills the mood, mate. <laughs> just watching Fucking- that. Tackle Bobcat! Come on! <laughs> Fuck! Just that just makes me flaccid. Uh, <laughs> flaccid as a wet towel, mate. It's just it's Did, awful. I mean, Crocker, he was through that hole. That, he Andrew, was. that Andrew Ryan tackle. No one talks about that as much. Everyone talks about Todd Byrne and fucking yeah. Sattler. Bobcat's tackle on, on Crocker, that, that changed the whole outcome of the 04 grand final. So did the double movement on El Masri. Oh, fucking, he had 10 years to put that ball down. Was, don't rake up old graves, mate. Go back to what you were anyway, saying. Anyway, uh, what were we talking about? Obstruction rule, yeah, I think. Right. So, I mean... Fuck, we're drunk. We've spoken a, a little bit about um, uh, the, the Geopolitics issues. in the Middle East. Geopolitics in the Middle East. Mm. Thank you, Yanis. Um, <laughs> Big shout out to Yanis. Yanis and Mario coming up in the show very shortly. So hang around. It's not just our drunken debauchery today. That's right. It gets, gets more interesting. We have, yeah. we, have, we have culture and history in this podcast. We did. And we pre-recorded. We were more lucid then. That's right. It was before we had this much whiskey um, and gin. Yeah, I did want to talk about bunker blunders. And, and there's a few sort of strings to this bow. Uh, I wanted to specifically talk about, first of all, you know, the kind of reactive nature of the bunker. So we had... Last week where the Roosters obliterated the, the, the Knights, there were nine tries scored in that game. It was 7-2, to but there were about three disallowed for the Roosters. One was the rather um, well-publicized uh, Collins no-try, where Nat Butcher was deemed to have obstructed 
the try despite the fact that Nat Butcher played the ball and the defence moved up immediately around him and in front of him mm. and Collins still pushed his way through to the try line. To be fair, obstructing nobody. To be fair to the referees, Andrew, I did think Nat Butcher should have instantly evaporated. He should have he should have worked out a way to have gone into the eleventh dimension, obviously. I, I think so. He just wasn't Should thinking. have changed the laws of physics. He to wasn't move thinking fourth dimension. Out of the way. Um, he should have disappeared to nineteen fifty five so, Midwest America for a little while. So we have this wonderful contrast where that happens, he gets disallowed and, and you can see you can see Collins just looking you know, there's almost a sardonic laugh on his face where he's just in disbelief that this has been disallowed. He's just pushed through three guys to score a try through pure power and will. He's and do you think it seem, he seems bigger uh, when he's a redhead? Do you think that accentuates it? Because if you're a Polynesian, you're expected to be huge, right? You're just a strong man. You're just angry at the world because you're a redhead. Yeah, you know, that's that what I'm saying. In. I think it yeah. adds something. Red nuts. I yeah. agree. No, I think there's probably an element of it. You know, you, yeah. you is that cop- why he plays all those night games of fear of melanoma? That's <laughs> probably part of it. I think he plays better. At Big night. shout out to Lindsay. We love you, mate. You're an absolute champion. We um, do love you, except in, uh, until you play Origin for Queensland and carve us up. In which case, we hate your fucking guts. He'll and, he'll make the Queensland right. Maroons. Score. Absolutely, he will. He he's. I mean, he's got to. I he's mean, like Dylan Napa, but with talent. <laughs> Don't you think? He's like Dylan Napa, but he's not playing for the dogs. Yeah, like Dylan Napa. If, yeah. if, if Lindsay Collins was in Dylan Napa's porn tape, he would have been fucking nine guys he, he and would, cheering the guy on. He'd have been the big puppy, mate. He would have been big puppies, plural. That's, he would have been right. fucking everything, even if it was a, a like a cuckoo clock. He would have give, made that But back to orgasm. the point, what were we talking about? It was like, about... The uh, obstruction rule. <laughs> we've, we've digressed. So big... Uh, Big Papa plural, uh, big puppy plural. Uh, that was a try every day of the week. So and we've come seen out and have admitted as much, right? They, they Graham Allensley, Annesley came out and said he did. He said that was a, this stupid, was a fuck up. stupid mistake, and he, and he identified the problem. And that is because they had two people in the bunker making the decision. Why this was the problem, I don't understand. It was never really adequately explained. That the fact that there was a second person in the bunker was a former player. Can you tell me issue? this? Is this standard knowledge that, p- that there actually are two people making the decision in the bunker? Because I thought it was just one. I mean, you, I, I know knew, there are multiple people in there, but I ultimately it. it's one person. I it? knew that this was this was the this was the um, uh, the methodology that 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 applied that that had a former player in there who was basically trying to apply common sense, right? Which failed, obviously. Yeah. Um, Who's the player? It really depends on who the player is. Obviously, he he, he played for a club that wasn't the Roosters. I see. Um, it was Mitchell Pearce. It was Mitchell Pearce. He was just in there. No, it was a former player. Uh, but we haven't got a decision because someone just keeps kissing the fucking logo of his jersey. But you know what? It, it's it's weird. So it's it's an interesting it's an interesting conundrum, right? Like I mean, because they say, well, okay, there are two people in the bunker, and there was a disagreement. And in this particular instance, it was a former player who said, "Oh, he was obstructed; he didn't have an opportunity to make the tackle." They didn't look at the the play in, in its entirety, and they obviously didn't take into account the fact that Butcher was the man playing the ball, and yeah. you can't just disappear. So, do um, you think this whole idea of reducing the bunker from two to one is actually something that's going to make a difference? Well, I no, I don't. I mean, I a, think- I didn't know that was a fucking thing to begin with, but two. Like, is it really? Like, is that is that just something that they've done for optics to say we're fucked up? 
um, by the way, we're doing this X, Y, and Z about it. I mean, because the, the, I mean, mistakes happen. The, we saw it only recently, the South game, mm. where someone scored and they clearly went out. Well, that didn't go to the bunker, though. Didn't so go to the, the bunker. That's not a bunker issue. True, but it was a it was an adjudication issue. It was it was a touch touch judge, judge into issue. Yeah, um, maybe they should get rid of one of the touch judges. That's right. They should replace <laughs> Make it one. They they should replace him with a former player. <laughs> but Mitchell <it>, Pierce <laughs> should be the touch judge at every game. But you the know, only way to guarantee to make him fucking retire in the in the in in the the Collins instance, you know, the question I kind of had was that they they made the argument that well, the former player, uh, you know, effectively contaminated the decision by saying that well, he didn't have a chance to make the tackle. Why the fuck is the referee listening, allowing his position to be overruled by a former player who isn't a referee? Mm. I mean, it, to be informed by it, sure, but if he has a gut instinct that says now it looks fine, can I say this? What is this bullshit about a former player having like a better knowledge of the rule book? Is that just I a, get I know sorry though it's horseshit. Conceptually right? I get it. You want you want somebody who's outside of the the black and white rule system to say common sense that yeah, but they is, don't that, exercise that, that. that that's the run of play. But in this situation they've gone the other direction. And and I I think that this points to the practical flaw of it is that a lot of clubs hate the fucking roosters. <laughs> You know, if so, it wasn't so, a former player coming into the equation can can make a, a decision like this. We're like, well, fuck Lindsay Collins and the Roosters. That shouldn't have been a try because it, you know, I don't like the Roosters. If it wasn't so late, I'd call up Luke Diamond Phillips, who is a former player, went on to become a referee, and was a big advocate of that idea. By the way, that you mm. needed a former player. You know, and, and conceptually, I get it, but in this, this, this particular, on this particular example, I kind of see the flaws in it. If you had to pick one former player, say he had to do all eight games mm. in a round, which former player do you trust the most to get video referee decisions correct? Matthew Johns. Okay, I like Matty. I think yeah. he probably would exercise a fair degree. He, but the thing is, he would be partisan towards the Knights. He, no, he wouldn't. I actually don't think he would. Um, you listen to Matty Johns on his show and his podcast. Mate, this is not a forum to advertise other podcasts. I've warned you about that. I reckon I reckon that he... Be, you know you know why I like Matty Johns? Is because he's an... Related adver- to Andrew? <laughs> he, he's the more sensible of the jury. But you know, the why I like Matty is he advocates for a, um, a challenge system that is... Purely based uh, that 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 is uh, also simultaneously removing the video ref from the equation in all cases except for challenges, and I, that that's a situation. That, oh, we that, love that idea. We've talked about. That I, I love that idea, right? And 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 for that reason, if Matty Johns was to be the extra person in the the box, he would he would look at that and say, "Well, that's ridiculous." There's you know, Collins has just beat three guys. That's mm. a try. Yep. He 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 has a good bullshit radar and a good common sense radar. Yep. If there was anyone I would, I would want in there, it's Matthew Johns. Okay. And who would you hate to be in there? Who would be the worst? Jason Taylor. Jason Ch- a- Jason Taylor absolutely I'm would take be. Take a pierce. I want you to keep talking into the mic. I'll be back really soon. <laughs> keep keep the show going. Yeah, Jason Taylor, mate. He'd be the worst. Nothing more to say here. Just, just, it's just Jason Taylor. He's, he's the worst. That sound in the background is Eamon Brown flushing the toilet for his recently completed urination. He's now heading back to the mic. 
I nothing more to add to that, mate. It was just, it was just, it was just. No, you're right. Actually, I reckon, I reckon it's actually a pretty good point of view. Uh, Jason Taylor would be the worst person to have. Yeah, I've never been a fan. Although I'm not a fan of Laurie. We talked about him at the game today. You know, Laurie, I reckon, would actually, I mean, you know, he had his flaws as Blues coach. He liked Aaron Woods, mate. There was something wrong with him. He did. But I reckon if you looked at that, like, the, I think he'd have a good, a good bullshit radar and common sense. Yeah. Great player. Instinct. I just think he's one of those guys that didn't translate to coaching. No, he obviously didn't. You know, he made Origin boring. How the fuck do you do that? He made Origin boring. With a player of his creativity, it was surprising. I found it odd. In yeah. fact, there's a bit of a correlation there between creative players and boring coaches. I actually think... Um, Ricky Stewart. Ricky yeah. Stewart's a little bit like that too. He's a little bit like that, you're right. He's changing now. He's a little bit, you know... I mean, if you watched any of his teams... But he's he... got George Williams now, who's a particularly creative player. He's been brilliant. He's very English, yeah. isn't he? He's got a classy English head, George Williams. He does, but gee, you know, I like... He, he's a classic example of a player who plays what's in front of him. Yeah, you know I what I mean? Like, that. like he's, what, he's, he's, what's he's the there. cliche? Eyes up footy. Yeah. Well, it's that time of the show again for Media Watch Mario Madness. Um, do you know what the best part about that sound effect? That's not my tongue. I have a urinary tract infection and it just sort of naturally blends into the SFX in the background. Mario, thank you very much. It's been a little while uh, since we've had you on the show. Um, what have you been up to in the last two to three weeks? Absolutely nothing interesting, to be honest. I've just gotten a little bit swamped from work, and but which is unusual for me. I'm normally living a very lazy life, but sometimes it catches up with me. I suppose you've managed to uh, wedge in a little bit of rugby league. Uh, at the moment, which I know hasn't been of great standing for you at the moment, being a Manly Seagulls fan. Uh, they just played the Gold Coast Titans today. And I, I don't know if you found this bizarre. I, I thought it was bizarre that they were favourites, Manly, to win that game. Um, I did tip Titans, I think, from mm. memory. Yeah, right. So you've gotten to that stage of fandom already where you're tipping against your own team. Oh, I'm always at that stage. I, I'm when I'm, a t- when I'm a tipping comp, I, I'm tipped to win. And when you tip against your team... And they win, you win. If you tip against yeah. them and they lose, you win. So That's I was great. I was explaining a similar thing um, to Eamon that uh, for my sports bets lately I've actually been putting a bet uh, in my multis on Souths because it uh, it hurts me to watch them win. It hurts so, me too, mate. So if I win money off watching them win, I, it, it sort of lessens the pain. I'm like, well, at least I got something out of it. And if they lose, I'm like, you know what? I Pay 50 bucks to watch them lose to the dogs. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I had a, a political equivalent here. Um, in the run-up to the 2016 US election, I said to my wife, I'm worried that Donald Trump will win. Uh, at the time, he was 21 to 1. And I said, do you reckon we just put $1,000 on it? Because, you know, if the world goes to shit and he starts World War Three, at least we have $21,000. Uh, she said no. Oh. And so, basically, he won and I got nothing for it, Mario. And I'm still angry about it. It's an interesting I think, one. I think, isn't frankly, it? you should have found a you know, smarter wife. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's, that's staying in. <laughs> Mate, if I, you know what? I'm going to cut you some slack because Manly haven't been winning lately. And, and it's past your bedtime. Um, so that's why you're in a slightly grumpy mood. But I'm going to make you grumpier because I want to talk about Fanua Blake, uh, who's reportedly on his way out of the Eagles because he wants a change of pace outside of Sydney. 
Now, these excuses for breaking a contract and walking out on clubs is getting progressively more obscure, Mario. How do you see that? Fanua Blake will leave a, a hefty hole in the Manly uh, forward lineup if he goes, won't he? Look, my initial reaction when I first heard what was going on was, fuck that prick, make it, you know, hold him to his contract <laughs> so that when he breaks it by fucking off to New Zealand, we just say he can't play for the next two years. However, um, I'm not sure how much I can say. I, th- I think it's all public knowledge. I think it's all gone out there publicly. So That's okay, um, mate. You can get a suit. Go ahead. It turns out that he, Manly, have been working behind the scenes to help get rid of him because they're fed up with his bullshit mm. and because he's been a whiny little disloyal bitch wanting to leave. But in the reality, it's because he's got, let's say, alleged, just in case it's not public, he has alleged bikey connections and they are catching up to him. And his wife is saying, get the fuck out of here because we don't want to be on the wrong end of them. And, you know, New Zealand or North Queensland are probably the two furthest away options for him. (laughs) That's why he wanted to play for the Zimbabwe Zebras. I was wondering about that. He's trying to get (laughs) to the other side of the earth. What's your source here, mate? How credible is this? uh, Because obviously that's a fairly hefty accusation. I I definitely won't name a source. I, I feel like it's been read. I feel like there was a story about it as well, though. I think I heard it, but then it came out as a story. I could be wrong if you guys haven't heard about it, so maybe I've just revealed things I shouldn't have. But anyway. <laughs> Mate, no, don't ever set your, your line of standard by what Eamon and Xander know, because... You know, aim higher than that, Mario. So it could well be true. Uh, but we will put alleged out there, Xander, won't we? Uh, wait, yes. what does our lawyer say? Definitely. He says, fuck yes. He says, definitely say alleged. But uh, he just be- said, cut it, actually. <laughs> he said, yeah, in fact, he keeps making the gesture across his neck, as in to cut this yeah. interview short. But we're going to override him, Mario, because we love you very much. Um, <laughs> I'm actually hearing that he that, that's the gesture he's making because he doesn't like our podcast and would rather kill himself than listen to more. Mm, that is true. Yeah. In fact, you know what? I'm going to finally um, break the shackles and let him go. I'll leave the ankle breaks on because I want to know where he is. But no, look, if you're going to ask my opinion, I think the whole thing's retarded. Uh, not, not my words, Vanua Blakes. Um, However, he- I, am, I am firmly on our side because if he does go to New Zealand and the strong rumour has been that Toho Harris once out of New Zealand, well, that's a pretty damn solid swap right Ooh, there. That'd be a, a, an excellent swap. I mean, at the end of the day, and I assume you agree with this, Fanua Blake is actually is a tremendous prop. I know he's a bit of a ratbag as a human, but yes. he has been a very valuable prop for you. Have you. Do you agree with that? Oh, in my opinion, this year, I think he's been the form prop of the competition. Yeah. With, with some tough competition out there, there's been a few really excellent props. And Torhu Harris would not be a like-for-like replacement, but we need a back rower. He is one of the best back rowers in the entire comp. Repl- replacing Joel Thompson with him would be a huge upgrade while we've got a couple of good young props that can replace AFB potentially. I think mm. we could genuinely win out of it, except Des Hasler being the absolute piece of crap coach that he is, as I have said before on the on the podcast. Oh, I remember. Um, he wouldn't even select him, I imagine, because, oh, look, here's two guys that are absolute plotters in, in bloody Waddell and, what's his name, Boyle, absolute piece of crap players, and they sign with the Bulldogs, so oh, let's select them ahead of bloody Hamoli, who is an amazing player, young player, much better than both of them, but let's keep him in the reserves. So I am absolutely fed up with Dez, and although in hindsight it worked out today, having Miski on the bench, 
I'm sorry, but you don't put a winger on the bench, especially a not very good winger. You've got Ben Turbo sitting in the wings. Maybe he's too young. Maybe this, maybe that. But the guy is a centre-slash-back rower. He is perfect to have on the bench. Just a quick one, Mario. Um, you know, it's not obviously not been the best season, but uh, the point's kind of been made a few times that um, Dez, you know, did walk into a side that had uh, half of its salary cap tied up with six players. Um, every, every team has half their salary cap tied up in six players. Is that is that true? Because I I did have a look at that, and um, I I I think it was about forty five percent of the cap amongst five players. And if you consider Mario that. You know, players like Kay Cust have been paid in Chicken McNuggets. That seems like it's too much of the pie. What what percentage of the cap would have been spent, let's say, last year on Cooper Cronk, James Tedesco, uh, let's say, um, uh, what's his name, Jake Friends and Boyd Courtner? I'll field, those... I'll field that, Mario. You mean the real books or the secret ones? <laughs> Let's say of the official salary cap, those four guys would be on at least, say, none of them on less than 700000 So right there, you've got, you know, a fair percentage of your cap in four players. The reality is every team has that. We, the, the issue that I have with Manly, well, I have, I have three main issues, honestly. And the first one is strength and conditioning slash physio. Yeah, because um, of all the injuries. Physio, our club physio is a moron. He diagnoses people, and then ten minutes later, it comes out as being wrong. He he, kept, <laughs> he he put Tom Turbo in. Everybody knew he shouldn't have played. Literally, everybody knew he shouldn't have played today. Well, and that he was terrible. That that's a really interesting uh, segue that you you've actually mentioned there because I did want to talk about it. Now, I'm a huge fan of Tommy Turbo. I think most people are. Um, he had okay. We can call it a Barry Crocker today. But he looked very underdone, and I, th- I assume that's the, the point you're getting to, that he, he came back prematurely. How much of that do you think was, was Trebojevic's decision? Because obviously, from a personal point of view, he wants to return to the field as quickly as possible so that he can potentially get an origin berth. Do you, yes, think, do you think it was more Tom pushing for it? Yes, however, Tom is a, you know, almost a kid. Des is an adult. Des is the coach. He makes the decision. Tom, of course, wanted to play. He wanted to play Origin. It, but a decent person would look at that and say, I'm sorry, Tom, you're not ready. I might put you on the bench. That's the most I can offer. You say that Des Hasler is an adult, but of course he does have the hair of a prepubescent surfy teen. Um, so you're only partially right there, I think. I mean, <laughs> I know. What is he? What is Des's age now? Uh, is it, What is he, about mid-50s? Oh, he'd be around that. But... Yeah. But when is it? This is, I know this has nothing to do with the performance of your team, but when should Des Hasler give up on the longer hair and, and join the sort of the, the chorus of senior citizens in Australia who have respectable short grey hair? When it stops looking so fantastic. <laughs> what do you reckon he's doing to it? Because it does have fantastic body. I'll give him that. Whatever he's doing, he needs to tell me so that I can be, you know, <laughs> not the way I am. Mate, I have to say this as someone, uh, you know, a little bit follically challenged. They're, they're like, it really suits you. There are some people, and unfortunately, this will happen to me one day because I have a really odd shaped head. You have a very nice shaped head, Mario, and I mean that in the most heterosexual way possible. Yeah, I'm just going to put my hand down my pants now. I don't mind, mate. <laughs> but it's, you know, some people it suits and other people not so much. I will look ridiculous when that day happens, and it will happen. 
Don't you worry about that. Look, I don't want to stick entirely onto Manly as well, mate, because, you know, there's a few other things going on in the game that I wanted to get your take on. And one of them is actually the debate over the concussion. Have you been keeping up with the Boyd Cordner story? Well, should retire, but you know, the details, what, what, <laughs> what, what point are you making? He should retire. To me, he has, his legacy is it's, it's cemented. I, I wish he'd retired in hindsight at, you know, at the grand final last year. Maybe he just needs to stick around, see if he can play in the grand final this year and get the win. You know, go out on a three-peat would be the mm. you know, most amazing way to retire. But I am genuinely concerned for the guy that he is just putting too much risk with the whole Liam Fallon thing with that AFL players, you know, suing suing the comp for his concussions. I I don't want those things to happen to Boyd Courtney. I, I, I've always thought he's slightly overrated as a player. Slightly. He's still a very good player, but slightly overrated. But, you know, he's a, a t- tough bloke, good captain, you know, des- deserves what he's gotten in his life and good luck to him. But I don't want him to... I don't want him to become the next, you know, Liam Fuller and the next guy that's just totally punch drunk like Mario Fennec, let's say. Now, Xander desperately wants to reply to you. Before that happens, sorry, Xander, can you hand me that metal file? I just want to change the name of the studio from Media Watch Mario Studios because you had to go at our personal hero. But go ahead, Xander. Yeah, so uh, just just to reiterate, we're talking about the uh, the New South Wales and Australian captain uh, Boyd Cordner, who's also the captain of their back to back NRL premiers uh, that you just referred to as overrated. I take your point about the um, uh, the, the 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 potential uh, for for you know somebody like him to maybe regret his decisions, but unlike in the AFL, um, where I think that. They they think their game is safe. I think the NRL know that there's, you know, that we have a collision sport, and I think, in particular, the Roosters know uh, that we we have a, a dangerous game, and they treat these things more cautiously than anybody probably in either code of rugby, in all honesty. And I I would posit the question that is it up to him or it should should it be up to the club because I understand that the club has already had these discussions with him on a number of occasions. They have they've had concerns with it for him. Uh, for years, back to his early twenties, about pushing his body—not just about head knocks, but you know, knees and hips and other injuries—has he's had a ton of them. Andrew Webster uh, catalogued them recently. I mean, ultimately, if he just wants to play on, and and he still plays bloody well, like he he puts his body on the line and he 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 leads by example better than anyone in the game. I think. I mean, you know, think, is is, is it that, our place? Is that Mario's point that he leads with his body a bit too much, particularly his brain? Well, I mean, you know. But that's just it. He's missed a lot of time, so he's been able to re- like he's, able, he's been able to stay relatively fresh because the club has been so careful with him. Like with Luke Keary, mm. I mean, this isn't the 1960s anymore where they're just telling him to shake it off. Yeah. What, what's your question for Mario? So my question is, you know, uh, is it our place to tell him if if we're if we're uh, if he's with a club that has been this rigorous and they've had these discussions and he wants to keep playing? I mean, is is it really? Uh, it, does it get to a point where we just say, well, it's up to Boyd? Interesting take. What, what do you think about that, Mario? Should it be up to the player? I, I think that's kind of what I just said. I mean, I, I don't think the Roosters should drop him or anything. I think if you guys are legally got all your bo- all the boxes ticked, that you are covered for the future, that he can't sue you for those decisions to keep picking him, then I think you sh- it, the Roosters' job is to pick their best team. And as long as he's in that best team, they should pick him. Um, I, I'm saying Boyd Courtner. I just don't think he has 
anything left to prove, anything really left to gain, obviously money, you can't argue with money, I fully <laughs> get that, but let's be real, Uncle Nick's going to look after him, yep. given given all the things that have happened. He might not continue to earn 600, 700 grand a year, but I think he's going to have a decent career you know, with the Roosters, but he's going to need to have his brain intact to be able to perform that career. Mm. And that's a really interesting point. I think lots of people are sort of debating that in the public sphere at the moment is... You know, Phil Gould, for example, is very vocal about the game and clubs needing to protect players from themselves. So the idea that, you know, should it be Boyd's decision, um, there are obviously, as Mario just stated, there are financial incentives to keep playing on, you know, in spite of your health, should it be their call. Interesting point, though, on uh, for Gould. I, mean, I don't know if you guys listened to his podcast this week, but he thought the, the whole coordinate thing was massively overblown and that the Roosters' incredibly cautious approach is bringing more attention to it than it probably deserved. He basically mm. argued that he didn't actually think it was that big of an issue. And, and to be fair, Peter Fitzsimons kind of drew a bit more attention. He did. To it he as did. Well. Peter Fitzsimons, um, yeah, did the uh, did the Peter Fitzsimons thing and basically harped on about it without ever talking to anybody directly involved with the case or the club, just because he wanted to shoot from the hip and he doesn't like having facts uh, interrupt his well or or interfere with his preconceived notions of what he saw. Mm. I don't know if he as shoots this, from the hip. As if concussions aren't much more of a problem in rugby given the nature of their scrums. 100%. And their rucks, mate. Jesus Christ. It's insane. Yeah. Look, Mario, we've, uh, I know you've got a big marathon to run tomorrow. Um, you're apparently running around the block of your house 15,000 times uh, for a bit of cardio. So I don't want to keep you for too much longer, but I did have a very important question that I need to finish off this interview with, and it's been percolating in my mind for probably some months. So prepare yourself. Sounds unpleasant. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I want to know who your favourite golden girl was. Was it Betty White or Rue McClanahan? Uh, definitely, definitely Blanche. <laughs> you knew who it was. Well played, whichever, sir. Whichever one her real name was, I'm not sure. But yeah, <laughs> You've nailed it. And it by the way... show. I liked that show. <laughs> Let's save that for another podcast. I prefer, Thank you. I prefer the honeymooners. <laughs> Thank you, Media Watch Mario, for joining the show again. That was Media Watch Mario Madness. I've had something that's just occurred to me and it's been a part of my gripe and I actually copped a fair bit of Twitter hate over this and I don't even think we see eye to eye on it so it could be a great topic to actually tackle next and it's the concept of send-offs and sin bins now there's been a bit of a I would argue an inconsistency in the last two or three weeks about what constitutes a send-off and what constitutes a sin bin. Um, and it seems to be a little bit all over the shop. Now, I'll give you some examples, Xander. Now, Chad Townsend, uh, he got sent off for a shoulder charge on Kalen Ponga from a 20-metre tap restart. We'll get into the nitty-gritty of all of these. Um, Jazz Tavega, um, he pushed into the chest of Nathan Brown, and that was deemed to be a punch, and he got sin binned. Uh, Jaden Sewer got sin binned the other day, which looked to be a semi shoulder charge, and it was arguable whether or not there was contact with the head. I think there was there of was, Lachlan yeah. Lewis, yeah. but it wasn't immediately obvious. Yeah. But I think I agree with you that there probably was. And then there was Kevin Proctor, of course, who got sent off for a bite that probably wasn't that conclusive that it was a bite. So the question I'm asking on the show today is have we got this system? Right. Do you think that all of those four decisions that I've mentioned there, for example, Xander, were justified? Or have we lost the plot a little bit? It's not an exact science. And and to be completely blunt, and I know that this is going to annoy you, but it's (laughs) starting to remind me a little bit of the 2019 Rugby World Cup, 
You're right. It, it does annoy me. Um, uh, but you know, there was a period there, and and here we go. This this gets to my gripe. I, I was going absolutely nuts at the sport of rugby. Um, for for like there was a game where Australia played Fiji. They sent off um, the Australian winger for palming a player off. See, that's my point, Xander. We don't want to become like that. But and is the NRL on a fucking fast track where we start sending players off for what really are mediocre offences? Yeah, I think there's a danger of it. I mean, I understand that with the current... Uh, with the information around concussion, there is a, 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 a um, an increasing uh, level of concern, and, and you know we and may I agree w- with that. We, I'm we, not, not shirking that at all. We may well end up with a game where you can only tackle the legs, and you know what? If that happens, well, that'll be fucked. That's the yeah. thing. So this is where I think some common sense needs to come in because I think it is a slippery slope mm. towards what you just mentioned, right? So let's go through this one by one and have a bit of a chat about it. Yeah, sure. We'll start off with the big elephant in the room, which is Chad Townsend, and I know we didn't necessarily see eye to eye on this. Now, for me, just to give you my thoughts on what a send-off should be, right? So there's a, a few really clear categories of what I think a send-off should be. One should be a malicious intent mm. or something extremely reckless, right? Mm. Where you know something can go horribly wrong. And it's got to be coupled with a, a level of contact that put that player in danger, mm. right? So we're talking your classic swinging arm. We're talking like, like a, if it was a legitimate bite, for example, like, and you really hoed into someone, uh, like James Graham and Billy Slater and uh, the 2011 GF, for example. Um, or or you Mike know, Tyson on a van of Holyfield. Exactly. Yeah. So Taking me, a piece of their ear. You know, yeah, or, or even if it's it. reckless, though. So sometimes you might not have any intent, but you've completely miscued and you've coat-hanged someone flush into the head. That's a send-off, right? I get that. Adrian Morley in 2003. Exactly, exactly. You're head dipping on me, Xander. Stay with me. Stay with me here because I've got a point and I'm going somewhere. Chad Townsend, to me, didn't fit that prescription and I'll tell you why. Okay, it's a shoulder charge. I I don't deny that. It definitely was. But there was mitigating circumstances around that, right? Because I don't know if you remember, but there was the the, Pong has come up for the 20-meter tap. The referee's blown the whistle and then he's blown the whistle again to say, no, no, no. It's a false start. So Ponga relaxes. And in that time, Chad's come in with a big shoulder charge. And I think it looked much worse because Kalen Ponga had actually relaxed, right? So I think that the uh, as, as spectacular as it looked, I actually don't think that was a send-off offence. I would have been happy with 10 in the bin because it was... Chad Townsend had an idea. He premeditated that he wanted to put up with a really big hit on Ponga mm. and it went wrong, Right. It wasn't even that clear that he hit him in the head, but it was a hell of a hit. He did. No, I actually agree with you. We did, we, I mean, you say we didn't see eye to eye. I mean, I didn't think it was a send I thought it was 10 in the bin. I agree. It was mm. 10 in the bin. It wasn't a send-off. Um, my, I mean, at the time, my issue was that, well, if Ponga heard it, why didn't um, Townsend hear it? I mean, it was, you know, like they were both in the exact same position. Yeah. He didn't. But it's conceivable. He, 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 had, he had time to pull out. He committed to it, but he... Didn't ha- he could have stopped? I mean, Ponga, if, he, if he heard the whistle, I agree with you. He but, did. You know, and, I mean, him, and he claims he didn't. I mean, he claims he didn't. But him and Ponga are in basically the same position. I mean, they're literally ten meters apart. Literally, literally ten meters yeah. apart. He can claim he didn't hear it, but Ponga did. I mean, what the fuck's going on with Townsend's ears? <laughs> can I tell you this though? Kale and Ponga, at the when he was interviewed after the game, claimed that he wasn't hit in the head. He wasn't, and he, and he clearly wasn't. He was just hit. 
He was he, he was, was hit bl- fucking hard. He was blindsided uh, by a shoulder charge, and it knocked him to the ground. And he got up straight away. He, mm. he, and he shook it off, and it was and it was actually, you know, it was a good moment in the game in a funny sort of way. Mm. Yeah, he was the Rihanna to mm. uh, Chad Townsend's Chris Brown, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you but, know, uh, if he if he got straight back up and 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 put on a blinder and you know yeah. basically shat all over Chris Brown, yeah, if Ponga got up and released several like global hits, yeah, then that would have been probably a closer analogy. But to me, it, there was enough mitigating circumstances around that to suggest it wasn't a send off. No, I agree. I, I I mean, you say we don't. Agree. I actually absolutely okay. that was not a send off any day of the week. It was not. It was a ten minutes in the bin. Yeah. I mean, it was late. It was un, it, it yeah. was it was negligent. It and was you called it at the time. You called it a dog shot. Do you it think was, it was a dog shot? Absolutely, it was a dog okay. shot. But it wasn't. It wasn't a send off. So you don't believe Chad when he says. I didn't hear the whistle. You nah, think he's bullshitting? Fuck off, Chad! Jesus Christ! If <laughs> if if you're standing ten meters away yeah, from off, Chad. from from Ponga, and he stops and relaxes, and he's heard it, then either your ears are fucked, you're you're absolutely completely screwed. I mean, Jesus Christ! I mean, okay. Can I just say this though? Let's play a bit of a thought experiment. Put, put, let's put ourselves in the mind of Chad Townsend. I know this is a scary thing. Um, let's pretend you're a sort of a, a slightly above average halfback from the Shire for a second. You know, he's actually made the decision because they weren't going well against the Knights at the time. He goes, I want to change the game in some way. So he's lining up. Kalen Pong is their best player by a country mile, the Knights. He's taking the quick tap. No, Dangerous no, I, player. I see where you're going with this. It's premeditated. Yeah, it's premeditated and he wanted to change the game. Yep. Does that change the mindset in terms of hearing the whistle? Does that, I think it does. Do, does it, it, it? It changes the mindset in ignoring the missile, the whistle. <laughs> sure, but did he? If he actually heard it, you know, I mean, it's a little bit like um, John Hopewadi with that massive shoulder he put years back, where he said he wanted to change the game. <laughs> See, I've heard a lot of people compared Chad to, to John Hopewadi's on hit on Galloway. Yeah. He, okay, a couple of key differences, right? <laughs> Chad Townsend doesn't he, have a criminal he, record. He doesn't have 12 children. <laughs> John Hopewadi dead set is close to 20 kids, doesn't he? He does. That's he crazy. Does. He, he doesn't have children. He has a tribe. Yes, he does. He's, yeah. he's created his own country, <laughs> essentially, John Hopewadi. He's got, he's got more people than Kiribati. <laughs> And good on him for it. I mean, I'm not. We're not knocking him, but I'm just saying that he had a record, John Hopewade. In fact, he's got a criminal one and a one with the judiciary, as it turns out, uh, because you know being a bouncer in nightclubs in Sydney didn't go so well either. Um, but you know, for me, there was a, a clearly a malicious intent when it came to that Galloway incident, for example. So the people to compare Chad Townsend, who, by the way, I don't think's ever been sin binned let alone being sent off in a game, surely that counts for something, that maybe his intention was a little bit different to John Hopewade. Well, I mean, again, I agree it should have been a, a, a sin bin, not a send-off. Yeah, fair um, enough. And, and, you know, mitigating circumstances, all that. You know, I agree with that, but I still think he fucking heard it and he's full of shit. All right, well, let's let's go to Jaden Sewer. This is a more recent example uh, on Lachlan Lewis. Lachlan Lewis, by the way, full props to you, my friend. Um, you got severely hammered in a tackle from Jaden Sewer, both, I think, in initial contact, but probably, I think, doing more damage was how hard you hit the ground. His head mm, hit the ground. He did. Extremely hard. In fact, left a divot. It, I don't know if you actually had a look. At the end of the game, the Channel 9 crew went through the ground and they could just see 
the likeness of a first grade player who won't be playing in the next couple of years because he's not good enough. Yeah, I believe they're actually um, they're taking a print from that uh, smack on the ground and they're going to turn it into a bust. Um, <laughs> bust for cast. Big shout out to Vario. <laughs> but you know that one again. Okay, he got he got uh, sinbind. Yeah. You know what? I'm a little bit. Uh, I actually kind of think that that's actually not such a bad course of action because he did make head contact. As it turns out, even though I don't think it was immediately obvious. But he hit his head arguably a lot harder than Chad Townsend. He did. Conga. Yeah. No, I Conger, agree. He got sent off and he only got 10 in the bin. Is there an inconsistency? Here? No, I agree. I, I agree with you on this one, um, okay. even though it's South Sydney. Um, I, think that, uh, I, think, I think that Lachlan Lewis basically got uh, unlucky and Sewer got unlucky as well because yeah. he slips. I mean, you see him. Mm. I mean, he, uh, Sewer's basically putting a hit on the sternum. It's yeah. a, it's a copybook tackle. Do you but think he, it was he, even a shoulder charge or not? I mean, you know, it's a it's borderline, isn't it? It's borderline. It's not, it's not an obvious it's, shoulder it's, charge. It's absolutely borderline because he he goes in and you know when you when you taught to ta- taught to tackle as a kid, you 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 taught to tackle by basically uh, ducking and driving up with your shoulder into the sternum. Yep. I was actually told to grab the scrotum really hard and squeeze. We're not talking about soccer, mate. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, no, no, I'm talking about my childhood, actually. <laughs> shouldn't go into that. Anyway, big shout out to Reverend O'Connell, by the way. Um, I hope you're still there at the parish. He's, uh, he's been shuffled off to a different, different parish. He, he now goes biophilia. Um, <laughs> isn't, anyway. isn't shuffled the perfect verb for priests it getting is. moved around? Like, just shuffling the card of fucked. Just like, oh, shit. Well, he's been done for yeah. at least three pedophilia acts. We've got to put him into... We'll, we'll send him into Guatemala for a few few <laughs> years. Where, where are you going, Marcus? You're going to Albury. <laughs> <laughs> we hear they don't report on incidents. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, no, I think that... I mean, so you're right. I Like, looking at the tackle, it's unlucky more than anything. I mean, you know, as much as I had Souths, it was unlucky. I think, I think 10 in the bin even was harsh. To be watching it, I thought it was a, was a penalty. To, okay, let's let's stop there for a second, put a pin in this because what do you think the sin bin should be reserved for then? Obviously, think, professional fouls. This is where yeah. sin bin have been traditionally used in recent times. Totally fine with that. But I've noticed this year the sin bin has been the it, the, the brief's been broadened. It's been broadened to negligence. Okay, is that what you'd call it? Yeah, I, I would call it. Okay, oh. would you call the Jaden Sewer incident negligent then? Because I think, and I'm just giving my two cents. He comes in fairly copybook. It's straight. Uh, the only the he only, makes contact with the head. I'm not denying the it. the only issue is there's no attempt to wrap the arms. It's yeah. a straight. It's a straight shoulder, but he's square. He's so they're square. they're mitigating it. I mean, it's, it's there's it's, no time to wrap the arms because it happened in like a fifth of a second. It's a borderline incident, and um, yeah, like I thought he. I mean, you know, even at the time, I thought he was hard done by. Mm. Uh, and he plays for South, so you know we're telling the truth. Yeah, I mean, like I thought, you know, Jesus, he, he came back and he had a blinder for them. Mm. Um, but what, it, what about the uh, Kevin Proctor send-off? This is a few weeks ago now. So Kevin Proctor was very... I mean, I thought that was absolute bullshit. I didn't think mm. in a... For an instant, he tried to bite. When you looked at the reverse, like the multiple angles on that... Yeah. He's gasping for air, if anything, and there is no intent of it. I think, I th- uh, in all honesty, I like Johnson as a player. I think he was just trying to get. Uh, it was a bit of gamesmanship. He was, try- he was trying to get a, a decision for um, his side, mm. and you know, he more or less confirmed that after the game. He didn't yeah. want to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're know. mates off the field. They know are. that much. So I think the judiciary thought. I wonder if this is a little bit of you know what happened. They gave on the field, him two weeks. Stays on the field. If, if it's a genuine bite, he gets eight. 
I agree with you. For a bite to happen, and I know this because I eat a lot of toffee apples, right? <laughs> that you need to open your mouth, but it also needs to come down in the clenching motion. Yeah. And I don't think Kevin Proctor did that with Sean Johnson's arm. No, he arm. didn't. He didn't. And in fact, it could be a little bit of the onus on Sean Johnson, who I think might have been giving Kevin Proctor a feed that he didn't want. Because That's he right. was shoving his forearm rather aggressively into his Could goal. have been a high tackle penalty, really. <laughs> Should have got against him. Exactly. So it's not just a refereeing blunder then, in your opinion, because he got sent off, remember? Yeah. The judiciary doubled down by, what did they give him, three weeks? They gave him two, I think. Was that? Okay. I mean, that's telling. That's, an, that's saying that there was a level of culpability on behalf mm. of Proctor, though. Yeah, so, no, I, I think they shouldn't have given him any. I mean, I, I don't think there was... And I've had disagreements with people uh, on this uh, about this online. Looking at all the angles, mm. I don't think there was any intent. I think it was purely yeah. incidental. I think it was purely purely driven by the fact that Johnson shoves his forearm straight into his 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 melon, yeah, and he's trying to get up and play the damn ball, yeah. And you know, I, I found it interesting in in Kevin Proctor's defence. He talked about the fact that he is a big mouth breather, <laughs> and, it, and it, I think he may have mentioned not something you want to admit to, really. No, no you but know? you may have a deviated septum, and you may be one of these people that, for example, you may not know this about me, Xander, but I have apparently a very narrow breathing column i have only about a third of the normal oxygen of a normal person so i actually breathe through my mouth a lot like a guppy fish so it, it's not just this so you're a, you're one of these <laughs> mouth breathers that um oh, yeah. triple m often referred to people like james hooper often talk about the damn mouth breathers out there yeah i'm that person although yeah, right. james hooper should not be throwing stones because no. i mean uh, is it me or is he juicing by the way, James Hooper. Just he's doubled on, in size. In mind you, just, apparently just on the arms. Because everything else looks kind of like a flabby middle-aged man. <laughs> I think he goes to the gym and he just works out his bald melon. Because <laughs> to, to me, that's the thing that's growing he, the most. He, he, he just basically does, you know, what, what, what do they call them? You know, he basically does side raises. Look, I'm going to wrap this up with a little final epiphany from me. Okay, and I want your response on this. Because in the midst of all of those penalties that I've already mentioned, right, with your proctors and your sewers, I don't know if you remember this game, but it was a, a South versus Tigers match where Josh Reynolds was playing and he kicks a ball through and he went for a kick and he missed the ball and he ended up kicking someone in the head. I don't know if you remember. Oh, yeah, that. I remember this. It was now, South Sydney. And who took exception to that? Do you remember? Troll Mitchell. He did. And what he did, did he do? He went and uh, punched on. He, he, yeah, he stiff-armed him from behind yeah. and hit him flush on the head. Yeah. The penalty went against the Tigers. Yeah. Now, for me, when it comes to a send-off, intention and contact are the big two conditions. Yeah. No, Latrell should... a massive inconsistent hit. Latrell should have been sent off for that. He, he, he goes in from behind. He flies in from outside and has a swinging arm to the head of Reynolds, who doesn't mean it. He should have been sent off 100%. Yeah. So, am I right here? There is an inconsistency, right? Yeah, of course right? there is. But, you know, Souths are the, the pride of the league, mate. Is this the great Giannis Mateus? G'day, how are you going? Nice to meet you. Very, yeah, likewise, mate. This, is, this feels a bit surreal for me because it feels like I know you, but it just occurred to me that we've, I've never really spoken to you in audio form before. It's quite the honour. I wanted to to comment on. I love your your, your names, particularly Dean Liberus from Evil. <laughs> Thanks, Xander. Uh, it's um, 
Uh, unfortunately, I got banned halfway through the year uh, for an inappropriate gift as we did. I was going to uh, ask so about that. I was wondering why your account was locked. Yeah, so um, as you probably gathered, I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, of uh, This Week in League as well. And I, I had an AVI bet at the time when, uh, remember the George Floyd, Floyd famous photo of yes. the African-American being... And I lost a bet to a guy who puts the warrior's face on the cop's face and the George of the Warrior face on the on, on the woods. Uh, and, uh, I can't see how this can go badly. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, 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 I, but I, I have a firm belief you always pay with your bets. And yeah, I'm fair enough. enough to do it. Uh, so I lasted a good 12 hours <laughs> and I was gone. So besides uh, the Twitter banning Giannis, when's the court case? <laughs> I assume there's one coming up. I assume you're a national pariah in Australia on the back of that already. Yeah, something like that, yeah. So, um, but the good thing is it gives me the freedom to engage with people of like-minded humour. Yeah, um, that's right. So, 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 so this <laughs> one of the voluntary tackles will suit me right down to the ground. You quickly uh, find out where you, who your friends are when you make fun of George Floyd. I found that, especially at work. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that really appreciate racial harmony. Really, you, I mean, it really helps, uh, you know, if you've got the, the legal team of Israel Falau, I find. Um, you know, uh, the normal folk tend to have a, a harder time of it, but if, if you just happen to have basically all of News Limited backing, you're all right. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I, I think that's the, the case of, uh, of uh, Hook Griffin, isn't it? Um, that's <laughs> how you get the gig. Uh, they get your jobs, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, we, we, um, we're no, definitely going to get under the skin of Hook, Yanis, uh, because the, the listeners yeah. may not know this, but you are a massive St. George Illawarra fan. Um, so I do want to know uh, what your position is on Anthony Griffin's appointment. But before we get to that... I just wanted to ask this one. I just want to say thank you, first of all, uh, for being such a strong supporter of the show. Uh, but second of all, it obviously does warrant the question, what, why on earth would you listen to a show like this? Uh, I think because I, 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 um, I, I, I think whenever I get a sort of a Godwin's law, uh, <laughs> uh, within about 10 minutes, uh, after 10 seconds, I realise that this is the, the channel I... And, and look, uh, this is... I've got to admit, this is the most exciting uh, uh, opportunity I've had to speak about NRL, um, and certainly the biggest highlight that I've had in the last 10 years. Um, <laughs> we all remember the Dragons uh, defeating the Roosters. Unfortunately, the time, it was, I guess it was like the first invasion of the Gulf War. We thought it was a really good idea at the time. <laughs> um, That's a great analogy. It was the right, beginning uh, of the downfall. Yeah, well, absolutely. And look, I, I fear that it only sort of encouraged the Roosters to build weapons of mass destruction and, and I'm not sure whether the Kurds or the Sharks from last night uh, really would appreciate what you've done to them or the NRL generally. Uh, I like that, we, you, know, you know, we've got such a strong effect at the moment that players injure themselves, like Sean Johnson just basically did his leg, you know, yeah, that, just, just that, as a sign of respect to playing us. Well, since it, let's run with the geopolitical metaphor, but maybe he was just a suicide bomber. <laughs> who, who accidentally clicked the suicide button whilst in an elevator by himself? Well, I actually thought that we sort of did a George W on you this year. I thought we genuinely ended your season, uh, not through performance. You almost did. 
Uh, where Radley and, and who else went down? Um, um, Beryls you know, and Radley. Uh, You know what, you, you did us a huge favour. You basically ensured that all of our bench players would be fit come finals time. Absolutely. Well, I mean, the other thing too, of course, is we gave you these two uh, up-and-comers. You might have heard of them, uh, the Morris Twins. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that, was a, that was a fucking great idea, wasn't it? Um, uh, like, seriously, I, I think I, I, I could it. Was, it's almost like, you know, the poll when they saw a bunch of Germans hanging hang, 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 in 1939 thinking, oh, don't worry, it's just a summer holiday. I, think that's <laughs> that's, I remember this analogy. I liked it. Yeah. Mate, um, yeah, I guess the Moro are okay. You know, they're fitting in pretty well. Yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah, but, but, well, even Hutchinson, yeah. yeah, yeah. Hutchinson's yeah. been all right. Yeah, he's like competent. But I think, I think under all, it underscores just the importance of having a good coach and a good, uh, and a good administration. Yeah. And, and I think... Um, so, to, to get around to the big story of the, you know, the Hook Griffin, um, I think the fact that we've hired a guy that was that was actually fired from the Broncos to be replaced by a coach, the coach that gave us our 2010 Grand Final, I think is actually quite poetic uh, <laughs> in terms of just how incompetent our our administration is uh, and, and how we've done things in the last 10 years. That- um, and. Yeah, it's sort of like this, this sort of incompetent Akuma and Matata, you know, that, you know, we, we sort of get in these positions of, of making really good decisions or we have a plan and then we just, like, change it at the last minute because of factionalism. You know, Giannis, you're right. There is a sense of poetry there. And, and again, I'm sure the listeners don't need me to point this out, but there is a sense of sort of, um, you know, uh, masochism about your fandom for the Dragons. And, and I think... You know, I think that you wouldn't be alone uh, when it comes to the Dragons fan base. You know, that, that apart from 2010 was obviously an oasis, but it, it you know has been sort of a long-suffering fan base. Is is your attitude towards Dragons? Do you think representative of the wider fan base, or are you more critical than most? Oh, uh, no, I think I'm actually uh, believe it or not quite dumb. Uh, uh, well, that's probably the best way to say. I think I'm quite rational compared to sort of you know, let's face it, as many things you say about Dragons fans, but. Uh, you know, not going off a of half-cocked and emotional is something we don't do very well. Uh, and in fact, I, I, I was watching the Broncos fans blow up this year and I was almost like professionally offended the way that they thought it was the end of the world. <laughs> they, they were going through, we call it like sort of a Monday morning, you know. Um, but, the, but the thing is, is we've been banging on about trying to remove a, a coach for so long that we finally got what we wanted and I think it just undercovers just how far we've fallen that we can't even get your, you know, Fitzgibbon, you know, a, a player of an ex-Dragon, but, you know, more an East legend. Um, we went about it the wrong way, too. We tried to go behind Uncle Nick's back. Which yeah, that was you know, that was a bad idea. Yeah, And you did it on the, uh, the, the morning of his daughter's wedding, which is also another big no-no with Nick. Yeah, yeah, and, and you would think that you would think that there would be ways of doing it. Um, and, and even even I understand um, that the board reached out to Green the day before we had announced Hook. So, so that it doesn't tend to seem to be... But by the way, this is in the yeah. context of the fact that we had had Flanagan was always lined up to replace Mary and has actually been responsible for, I'd say, the resurgence of, 
Murphy and, and Lomax yep. particularly. It did seem to time um, time out, didn't it? The resurgence seemed to time out with his appointment as a, as the assistant. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, like I'll give you another example. We've had uh, Jason Demetria. He led our team to the to the grand final yep. uh, at, at the reserves and, and won it. Uh, this is the same year that Mary lost all rights and responsibilities over recruiting his team. Um, you know, we, we we sort of have a you know, to use another analogy, we sort of you we have a sort of a, an old boys network that makes that nepotism that makes Uday Hussain look like he's gone through a public service meritocracy. <laughs> um, so you know that's the position we've been in, and now we've got to a point where we've got Hook, who you know by all accounts we didn't even reach out to the Penrith Panthers to find out, you know, or his previous club. Yeah, I heard this. Right. They um they, they didn't they didn't ask for any positions and uh, any perspective on on how well he coached, um and uh, are already lining up his replacement. I mean, what does that what does that say, uh for for I guess his role as a coach? I mean, is he really just there as a placeholder then? Um, I I suspect he is a sign of how shallow the coaching depths are for clubs uh, that aren't confident that simple point that you either take a risk like um, you take a risk like O'Brien or, or, or um, the, the guy up in uh, Gold Coast um, Holbrook uh, yeah Holbrook and hopefully it works out or you stick with tried and true and tested to mediocrity mm. um, and I think that I mean we've got him for two years um, I, I will say this I, I don't want to be too pessimistic if people a lot of fans are giving him the Thumbs up because he's not part of the old boys network. Um, he does blood younger, yeah, youngsters, and that's what we need. We have a huge nursery. Um, yeah. And, and so I'll, I'll grant you that. But still, the problems with God is he's still got Millwood, who's the recruitment and retention. Uh, I mean, you know, he's recruited huge names like um, uh, Corey Norman on 800,000. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and Lachlan Moranta when he came from rugby for three years out. You know what, Yanis? i, I got to say, there's, there's another coach who's been famous for blooding, young, blooding youngsters uh, who also coached at Brisbane. Who's that? <laughs> Anthony Seabold. I'm just... Uh, that was his. That was his party. His parting message was how proud he was of how many youngsters he'd blooded, and they're yeah. coming last. Yeah, that's that's because he so, went for about forty-eight different players that's during right. the season. Um, yeah, well, but the other thing too is, I mean, you got to look at them and go, okay, people point to Hooks, Timmins, Brisbane getting to the finals at Penrith, but he's inherited organised structures of youth retention mm. and, and, and improvement, and we don't have those places, those those, those systems in place like we used to. Uh, we don't have the Brett Morrises and the Congo Lions head team off. Um, instead, we sort of don't trust them and, and stick with. And, and Dean Young's a prime example where we've kept Corey Norman playing all year and put and thought that the only way we could entertain him is by carrying three hookers on the team. Um, and so, you know, um, you know, certainly Norman is not. You know, we've got a young kid called Christian that Tristan Baylor who hasn't been given a shot. Yeah, that is surprising uh, and, 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 to yeah. me, Giannis, that he hasn't been given a shot because there's, uh, you know, I was actually there for his debut out at Cogra when they he played against the Roosters, and I remember he was like one of the shining lights, and I thought, well, we're going to see a lot more of that kid, but we haven't really seen too much. Well, I, look, I reckon, you know, as I said, if I was a Bulldogs right now, and you need it, or, or even Manly right now, because apparently you, know, you need a, a versatile half-slash uh, fullback, he would be the man to do it. He, nothing phases him. Uh, and he's live wire rather than, you know, dare I say, Norman just runs sideways and inside ball and, you 
they get paid a lot more for it. Um, yep. We have some really we have some really promising juniors coming through. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think that we need to um, look. Hook may be the man to do that, but um, I, I'm I'm sceptical at this stage. Well, will just in Corey Norman's defence, he is one of the few halves who can feed a scrum and do a line of coke off the ass crack of the lock, <laughs> all at the same time. So you know, some credit where it's due. Giannis, but I did want to actually ask you, obviously, the big question out there at the Dragons, it hasn't worked. We know Mary McGregor's gone, but in terms of where the blame should lay, I guess you've already indicated that Millwood's recruitment, uh, that to me seems to be the bigger factor. It seems as though there's it's been a bit of a misalignment in their recruitment strategy at the Dragons where you, you just haven't had the right balance. You seem to have had too many players in, in some positions and, and no depth in others. And at the moment, I feel very sorry for Cameron McInnes. I'm a big fan of him, actually, but he's he's doing what is best for the team and playing in a position where he doesn't really belong. And he's getting... At times, he gets his ass kicked, let's be honest, but he doesn't back yeah. down. Um, and to me, he's, he's captain material and he should be you know, you're number nine, but it's because you've got guys like Ben Hunt on a million a year who is best placed in the nine. In terms of hanging the blame, who do you blame more, Mary McGregor or Millwood? Uh, look, it's a bit of column A and a column B. Yeah. Uh, Millwood, and, and look, look, to be honest, we do have a one of the best locks in the game, currently unable to play, and rightfully so, might I add. Um, yeah. You know, certainly, I, I'm, you know, I'm certainly, I seem to be a minority of Dragons fan here. Uh, Jack DeBellin should not be playing until he's had his day in court. Yeah. Um, but you take that out, um, that that's hurt, that hurts the, the structure and the, the arrangements. But, you know, we've just done, we've made some strange recruitment decisions that don't seem to fit the, where our youth is developing as well. Mm. So, uh, you know, why would you, why would you spend money on a, um, uh, 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 I go back. I love James Graham as a player, but why did you spend money on him when we already had a pretty good Ford stock uh, at the time? Uh, instead, you know, we seem to um, purchase, uh, you know, players where we're already quite strong. Um, and probably like the best example I can give you is, is, you know, we bought Corey Norman a year before we needed to from the Wooden Spoon Parramatta. Uh, and that, you know, at the time we had a young kid called Jai Fields who's now playing for Parramatta and doing pretty well. Now, yeah. now look, look I, he may not have been the long-term solution. He may not, but look, at least give him the opportunity. And he was only ever given opportunities like five minutes before, uh, you know, a preliminary final mm. uh, against South, uh, South. You know, the, the, that's not the opportunity to blow in a kid. Um, and we're seeing the same things at the moment too. Is uh, We've got a young kid called uh, um, Eddie Blacker who's, who is... is a prop of, you know, significant standing. We're yeah. not giving him a run. Um, so I think it's a combination of Millwood's poor recruitment, but we just don't trust the, the juniors. And, and to your point earlier, you guys have allowed your bench prop, prop players to come on. You know, suddenly you've got, you know, um, your, 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 your uh, lamb, you know, mm. you more opportunity in the place of Flanagan. Uh, you just need, you, you work out how to rotate that much better. Yeah, it's that squad mentality, isn't it? A bit like the one-day international cricket team. It's sort of, you don't go in, it's not about your 17 anymore. I feel like that's the that's going to be the future template. It's not so much about your top 17, it's about your best sort of 25, 30 players and, mm. and how often you can rotate them and get them into the squad and get them getting them some valuable minutes. I don't want to take up too much of your time, mate, because I know it's very late. We've, uh, we've kept you up late. In fact, we've spoken to Mario already, who's... Preparing for a marathon. Jeez, he lives a very adventurous life. Um, but I do want to pose this to you. Could this be the big solve to your coaching problem down at the Dragons? Should you turn to San Francisco, Silicon Valley, and just get yourself a good AI algorithm 
that actually takes the helm. Fuck off, Hook. We don't need it. He can, he can stand on the sideline and, and use his weird Australian Southern droll. Have you noticed that? He has a real droll in his voice. He's, he's basically yeah. the Australian Wayne, uh, John Wayne, rather. He, yeah. he does have a bit of an Australian John Wayne about him. Do you, have you found that, Giannis? I'm going to admit I haven't uh, listened to too much of it because I can't stand <laughs> Neither do any of his uh, players. <laughs> exactly. I'm sent to the very interesting uh, social media uh, profile. Um, and, uh, and he does have an interesting social media. It's, it's, it's strangely yeah, disappeared, yeah. though, Yanis. We can't find it so, anymore. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I, I think once you... Um, you know, people like someone else who's got uh, excommunicated from Twitter for a while and, and suddenly there's no record anymore... Uh, you know, the former Giannis Matus, uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, he, he's no longer. The Twitter uh, user formerly known as Giannis Matus. You are now Dean yeah. Liveris from Evil, which I think is an even yeah. better name. So all, my, all my retweets of Stormfront, you know, people weren't sure whether it was actually you know, whether it was being <laughs> ironic or serious. Mate, um, great reference, though. Great show, uh, you know, uh, the boys. But, you know, I mean, there, there is a different Stormfront, obviously, that you're referring to. <laughs> And I, I didn't know which one you were talking about. And look, <laughs> yeah. For the record, Giannis, if you do want to find uh, Anthony Griffin's Twitter account, it's still uh, accessible on Breitbart News. Um, but look, mate, we're not going to take up any more of your time. I just wanted to say thank you very much for sparing the time to come on the show, mate. It's a pleasure to meet you uh, in audio form. And who knows, we can have a beer one day if, uh, if we can organise that at some point. But thank you very much for supporting the, the show as well. Uh, we have very, very few of those. So uh, I've only just recently convinced Zan to support the show so that was good <laughs> thanks boys I really appreciate it looking forward to it oh, yeah. the real me is the real you the real me is not hardware the real you and me is software the real conscious you the real conscious me is eternal we will never cease to exist whether you believe it or not whether you like it or not that's the truth Physical death is not the end. And Satan's been trying to sell lies to this world like evolution, atheism, there is no God. Well, it's all lies from the pit of hell because he wants to take you there. And apart from Jesus Christ, that's where you're going.